progressive, respectful, mentoring, compassionate. These are the values of Palmdale Regional Medical Center. And now we proudly present Palmdale Regional Radio. Here's Melanie Cole. Diverticular are small pouches that bulge outward through the colon and large intestine. If these flare up or become infected, it can be quite painful. My guest today is Dr. Marjan Philip Daldalau. He's a colorectal surgeon and a member of the medical staff at Palmdale Regional Medical Center, as well as a member of the medical staff at Keck Medicine of USC. Welcome to the show, Dr. Daldalau. What is diverticulitis? People hear about this, but they're not quite sure what that is. Sure, as you explained before, Melanie, that you know, diverticular disease are these outpouches that develop over time in the colon mainly. And basically what diverticulitis is, is inflammation of these outpouchings within the colon. Uh, the most frequent time that you see this are uh, ma- mainly in men and females um, age greater than 50 or 60 years old, but they can affect patients at any time in their life, uh, especially if they have any family history that predisposes them to diverticular disease and diverticulitis, um, <clears throat> or in certain risk factors as, such as people who have uh, high meat content in their uh, diets and such. And so diverticulitis uh, presents with a host of symptoms, which mainly it presents with fever, left lower quadrant, lower abdominal pain, sometimes intermixed with either diarrhea or constipation. Uh, But the most uh, profound symptom is mainly left lower quadrant abdominal pain in these patients. Uh, Females uh, and males have equal predilection for this disease, uh, and it's rare in patients who are younger than 30. Uh, But some other also symptoms that are manifested along with diverticular disease uh, could also be the development of blood uh, from their stools, as well as potentially even fistulas, which are communications between the bowel and other organs like the skin or vagina or even the bladder. So you mentioned a genetic component to these. Is it something that if one of your parents had, you should get checked? Would that be seen somewhere? Is there a screening? Would you even know before you get that first painful flare-up? So the genetic component is still uh, sort of yet to be elucidated, but they do know that in families, especially if the families share the same sort of diet, that you know these patients are more at risk for developing symptoms that could contribute to their diverticulitis or consistent with their diverticulitis as well. And so there really is no way to sort of check, um, but there are ways to help change and hopefully even prevent episodes of diverticulitis, especially if it's fairly common amongst various family members, either mother, father, aunt, uncle, and even children and such. And one of those changes could also uh, is also a diet change as well, including higher fat, I mean, sorry, higher fiber content, uh, as well as uh, taking in lots more hydration compared to and uh, subscribing more to an Eastern diet, which is vegetable-based as opposed to a Western diet, which is high in red meat. And Dr. Daldalau, certain people that might have occasional flare-ups of diverticulitis might also suffer from Crohn's or irritable bowel disease, and then so they can't have all of that fiber. What do you tell them about dealing with sort of chronic intestinal diseases? 
So that is also one of the differential uh, diagnoses that needs to be determined whether these patients have flares from diverticular disease or diverticulitis versus Crohn's or ulcerative colitis. And one of the best screening methods to determine whether a patient is afflicted with one or the other would be to get a screening colonoscopy. If patients do have chronic inflammatory bowel disease, not only just Crohn's and ulcerative colitis, but also irritable bowel syndromes uh, and such, they should uh, see their gastroenterologist for a further workup and also management of those uh, symptoms. And usually, after managing those symptoms and having those under control, we can differentiate between whether this patient has symptoms from IBS, chronic inflammatory bowel disease, such as Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, uh, and differentiate that from their diverticular symptoms, which I stated earlier are mainly uh, left-sided, left lower quadrant abdominal pain-like symptoms. However, there are occasions where it is hard to differentiate, and I think those are uh, patients that warrant further investigation and consultation with a specialist, such as a colorectal surgeon, to help determine which uh, symptoms and factors are contributing most to the patient's uh, discomfort uh, and such, and that's even a surgical intervention can help out with those patients as well. So if you've had one flare-up, does that put you at risk then? You know that you could possibly have another and you need to watch out for some of those symptoms? So we're learning that diverticular disease is actually a spectrum of disease. Uh, you know, people only hear about the, you know, the worst of these symptoms. Either, you know, the patients come in with a terrible abscess or they have perforation of their colon and they require surgical management at that time uh, because of the emergency of the, the urgency of the situation. However, as we're learning, uh, diverticular disease is actually functioning over a spectrum. Some people may have diverticulitis and may not even know it, and they just present with just mild, you know, lower abdominal symptoms, which they just attribute to either gastritis or some sort of enteritis or intestinal upset. And as you know, the other extreme would be patients who present with emergencies with Gross chronic, uh, gross infection with abscesses and perforation and such. And so, uh, as we're learning that this is a spectrum, patients could present either as asymptomatic or with mild symptoms, or even further that than that is chronic symptoms, and even further than that is emergent symptoms, uh, which require an operation. And so, you know, the management of diverticular disease really depends on how much these symptoms are also affecting a patient's lifestyle, uh, and that's also part of the consideration and discussion. Uh, if patients have mild symptoms and it's their first episode, usually these can be treated by either pain management or even with IV antibiotics or oral antibiotics. And most of the time, about 50% of these patients uh, will resolve with just this type of management. Uh, furthermore, you know, the most emergent cases usually present with their first or second episode of uh, diverticulitis. But if patients usually have four, five, six episodes of these left lower quadrant abdominal pain, the risk of having an emergent surgery is less. But however, uh, as you know, the history sort of repeats itself, if you have multiple episodes of diverticula uh, diverticulitis, it's likely that you'll have another episode sometime in the near future. Usually about three-quarters of these patients recur uh, with recurrent symptoms uh, three years after their, pro their last or previous episode. 
So are there certain foods, as they're trying to increase their fiber and get more hydration, certain foods that they should be avoiding, food with seeds? Because we hear about those sorts of warnings. Are, is, is that the truth? I think this is also coming into uh, the realm of mythology in a way. And it used to be that we thought that, you know, seeds were the the main reason that that causes the inflammation in the diverticular or the, the uh, outpouchings of the colon. But now that is sort of come into suspect and actually has been proven to be debunked. It's not necessarily seeds, but basically the fact that you are having to transmit a hardened very difficult to uh, transit hard stool uh, that creates or causes more problems for patients with diverticulosis and can lead to diverticulitis. And so the benefit about having a high fiber, uh, higher fiber intake is that fiber allows for quicker transit of the feces through the colon and thus, you know, and it makes the, the uh, stool much softer. And so the colon doesn't have to squeeze as hard to transit uh, to transit the feces from uh, from colon all the way down to the ultimate end into the toilet. Uh, but uh, the other benefit about fi- higher fiber intake is that a higher fiber uh, intake also brings these short-chain fatty acids down to the colon, which is the main food supply for colonocytes, and so keeps your colon healthy in that aspect too as well. Uh, now, seeds and higher... Uh, bulky items uh, need to be taken with caution. I mean, if patients have uh, any sort of stomach upset with ingestions of certain foods, common sense does apply. You should just avoid foods that create problems for you and continue to take foods that are more, that promote your gut health in that aspect too, whether that be, you know, certain fibers, uh, certain nuts or rices or grains and such. Um, and that, and just to maintain that regimen throughout your life. So it is important to identify those foods that might trigger some sort of an abdominal episode for people. So wrap it up for us, Dr. D, with your best advice about what you want people to know about diverticular disease, diverticulitis, and, and really what they can do to hopefully prevent it from happening in the first place. Right. So when you do have these sort of symptoms that are consistent with, you know, diverticular or diverticular disease or diverticulitis, it's best to sort of, you know, continue with a very healthy bowel regimen, including a high-fiber diet, some uh, increased water intake. But also, you know, if these symptoms are persistent and they do bother you, it warrants evaluation with your primary care physician, having a discussion with the gastroenterologist, and hopefully, you know, if further questions do arise, you know, seeing a colon erectile surgeon to discuss whether surgery is a uh, valid option for you. In most cases, in patients with diverticular disease, uh, it is a spectrum, and most cases are mild and can be managed medically uh, and without any surgical intervention. However, when symptoms are bothersome and they are affecting the patient's quality of life, possibly surgery is what is warranted. But also, you know, the mo- the main... Uh, uh, message that should be taken is that if you are starting to also have GI symptoms, especially if you feel that it's related to your colon, or if you also have family history that dictates that you have higher risk um, history for colorectal pathologies such as inflammatory bowel disease, ulcerative colitis, colon erectile cancers, you should be evaluated 
uh, and potentially get your colonoscopy sooner rather than later. And tell us about your team at Palmdale Regional Medical Center. Why should they come there for their care? So our team at US, at Palmdale Med- Regional Medical Center is a multidisciplinary team. Although we are made up of primarily colonorectal surgeons, we do work well with the community, including with the gastroenterologists locally and with the primary care physicians to discuss uh, ways to sort of treat complex and very uh, difficult colonorectal pathologies. Uh, and that is what we bring here as uh, our specialty group in that, you know, we feel has been sort of underserved to uh, the Antelope Valley community. And uh, the main uh, reason why people should choose us is that we do like to discuss these complex issues with patients and help them understand how to help take care of it. And we don't just involve ourselves. We're not a we're not a team that just wants to be captain of the ship. We're a team that wants to lead a community of people and uh, physicians and uh, family together to help take care of the patient. Thank you so much, Dr. Deldelau, for being with us today. You're listening to Palmdale Regional Radio with Palmdale Regional Medical Center. For more information, you can go to palmdaleregional.com. That's palmdaleregional.com. Physicians are independent practitioners who are not employees or agents of Palmdale Regional Medical Center. The hospital shall not be liable for actions or treatments provided by physicians. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.